It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone, and welcome to Episode 5 of Inside the Ravine, a brand new Dodgers podcast presented by the Odyssey app. Joining me this week from yet another location somewhere in the Bay, I believe last weekend he uh, had just come back from Oakland, but he's currently still there, Josh Schaefer. So Josh, uh, it seems like every week it's uh, an episode of Where's Josh this week, so uh, why don't you share with us where you're, where you're currently residing while you're using uh, your hotspot? Because uh, apparently, unless you're staying at a Holiday Inn Express, you got to pay a, a good chunk of money to get Wi-Fi. Yep, I'm staying in uh, I'm staying in downtown San Jose. I've been here the last couple of days for work. Um, you know, I'm here with the LA Kings uh, for the rookie tournament. Last game of the rookie tournament is today, uh, this afternoon. So once we finish this podcast, I'm gonna hop in the shower. Um, I'm gonna change and and head on over to the rink for our last game and i came back from getting coffee this morning but they gave me one that was too small so i just got back to the room and made myself some uh some some coffee with one of the little things in the room and it is uh it was what i expected it to be but um but yeah so been here the last couple of days but needed to get a show off so here we are so the most important question at hand is have you attended another oakland athletics game at the otaco coliseum I, I unfortunately have not, but to be completely honest with you, uh, a couple of us here were planning on going up to the Dodgers game yesterday against the Giants, um, but the rain wasn't very good. By the time we got out of uh, you know morning skate and got all of our work done, it would have been a little um, a little tough to push it considering we only have just like two or three rental cars, um, and only one of them is for um, the equipment staff, and we would have had to fit too many people in that car. So the train would have taken too long. And with the rain, kind of glad we ended up not going, but we did want to try to take in, take in another Dodgers game at Oracle Park. But unfortunately, we did not even consider going back to, to an Oakland A's game. There's, a, there's this thing I saw on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this. I think this was yesterday. But apparently this past weekend at Oracle Park, there was a vendor inside the stadium that was selling Dodgers gear. 
and it like went insanely viral. Apparently this was on Friday, I think, but I, I was reading about this yesterday and apparently there was some mishap between Oracle Park and this like third party vendor where they were set up somewhere inside the stadium selling Dodgers gear. I think they were selling some Giants gear as well, but there was like a massive line of Dodgers fans. Uh, so Josh, if the, if the roles were reversed and you were at a Dodgers game and you saw that there was a vendor set up inside the stadium selling Giants gear... Would you be just, like, absolutely blown out of your mind and confused and wondering what the hell is going on with that? Well, well, first of all, let me just clarify. This was when the Dodgers were there, right? Yes, this was this week and while the Dodgers were there. So I guess it it makes a little more sense that way because I remember growing up, I feel like there there was, like, a vendor or two in the park that would sell stuff for both teams. I feel like I remember that, and I know that there are certain teams that do that. I don't think anybody does that anymore, though. So I think if I saw that at Dodger Stadium, I would be very confused and a little bit annoyed, probably. Right. So apparently it was some mishap, but uh, fans, for good reason, were outraged. But I thought that was a uh, fantastic. I'm upset. I'm more upset that it it was an actual mishap on the Giants' end, and it wasn't some just troll job where some dude just (laughs) snuck in like a bunch of Dodger stuff and was selling it. But I, I thought that was a great way to start off the show. So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about a couple of records that Dodgers set this weekend. Obviously, last week they clinched the division. We talked about that in an episode. They just swept the San Francisco Giants. And we're going to talk about a few things in regards to the starting pitching moving forward. And we're going to wrap things up with a mailbag. Now, this is a shorter episode because, again, Josh is in beautiful San Jose and uh, don't have time to go an hour plus to get a draft in. So no draft, unfortunately, this time. But again, if you have any draft suggestions, feel free to hit us up on twitter speaking of twitter you guys can find the show at inside the ravine we're also on instagram and tiktok at inside the ravine so you guys can find us there so josh let's kick things off with a couple records the dodgers have set as of right now they are 101 and 44 which again just seems insane to even think about but right before we started i had a few fun facts already uh laid out and ready to go, but you presented me with one, and I said, you're going to have to uh, tell the viewers what exactly this uh, amazing stat is, because with my short-term memory loss, I'm not going to remember, and the good thing is, I already forgot it, so why don't you share with me the uh, the crazy stat the Dodgers did when they uh, won a game on Saturday? Nice. So, with the Dodgers' 100th victory of the season, they became the fastest team in baseball in 21 years to reach that many wins in a single season. Um, they're it took them 144 games. That's the fastest since the 01 Mariners um, accomplished uh, uh, their, their won their 100th game in just 140 games. So they were 140. Uh, uh, the Dodgers were uh, 144. So um, it's still impressive either way. Um, I mean, the first team to get triple-digit wins, um, or the fastest team to hit triple-digit wins in 21 years is remarkable. What that means for them trying to go for that for that win total record, um, I mean, you're a few games behind. I also don't think it really matters all that much when you've already locked up the division, you're going to the playoffs, and you have your eyes set on something, uh, you know, well beyond just 100, and 100 wins or 114, uh, whatever. Um, but I, I don't think that really matters for the Dodgers. But, yeah, I think if you really do care about that, there are a few games behind. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I think they have years. I think they have one game to spare to set the record, and they have two games if they want to tie the record. So I think they have, what, 17 games left? I want to say they're at 101-44. So if they got 17 left, they got to go 16-1 and one to break the record, 15-2 and two to tie the record. Yeah, well, the record's 116, yeah. 
Yeah. So certainly could be done, but like I said, I don't think the Dodgers are going to care that much. But the fact that they're having this historic season and they're still four games behind the Mariners essentially at this pace just goes to show how crazy that record truly is. But then it makes you think of all the games the Dodgers have lost this year. They've lost, I think, eight games in extra innings. They lost one this past weekend. They went like three and six against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have like the third worst record. They lost two games at home to the Nationals a month ago, who have the worst record in baseball. So when you peel all these layers, it's like, man, if the Dodgers just were 500 in extra innings, if they just won games against the worst teams in baseball, they'd seriously be making a push at this. But again, the fact that this is essentially the best team we've seen in the last 20 years, truly remarkable. But Josh, he got his uh, fun stat out well, of the way. So I think remember, remember where they... I mean, they got swept by the Pirates at home. Those are yeah. three wins right there where you would have been at, at, you know, at the absolute worst one game behind. Yeah, and then again, those two that they lost to the Nationals the a month Pirates. ago. Mm-hmm. It, it just goes to yeah. show how crazy hard this whole baseball game is. That That's the beauty. Any team can win on any given night. But we got a couple more for you, Josh. And on Sunday night, the Dodgers won. It was their 52nd road win of the season. Which, again, the the whole point of road games is to go 500. If you go 500 on the road, that's considered an excellent season. Winning 500, uh, going 500 on the road is winning 41 road games. The Dodgers have already won 52. They have three more left, so it's the most road games they've ever won in a season. And... To put that into perspective of how many games that is, there are four teams in baseball that have 55 wins or fewer. So they're essentially keeping pace on the road with four teams in baseball. And four of those teams, Josh, a few of them include the Nationals and Pirates, teams we just talked about the Dodgers struggling against for whatever reason. So they can they can take down you know teams like the Padres, teams like the Braves, teams like the Mets. But when they're facing the Nationals and Pirates, uh, that's... Luckily, they're not going to be facing them in October. So, 52 road wins, only three road games left. The crazy thing is, they have, you know, 17 games left this season, but they have only three road games. So, they've spent majority of their season on the road up to this point, but a record that likely isn't going to be topped anytime soon, uh, considering they're probably going to add on. So, Josh, especially come postseason time when winning games on the road essentially is what makes or break a series. What are your thoughts on the fact that the Dodgers have been historically good on the road, and what does that mean for October? Well, they're going to need it. So they're going to need to be that good on the road in the playoffs because you look at the way that um, the Dodgers have been in past years. I mean, you look at that's the, the San Francisco series last year. I mean, they won a few crucial games on the road, and, and that's, I think, how this is going to be in the postseason this year when you look at some of the teams that they could face in the playoffs. I mean, we're talking about... Uh, a Padres team that can, in fact, be lethal if the Dodgers face them in the playoffs. Um, we're looking at potentially the Braves, who I, I think you and I had talked about this a little, a little while ago. You don't really want to face the Mets, especially in a five-game series. I, I don't want to face the Braves either, though, too. I think the Braves have a really good lineup. I think the Mets have the better pitching staff, but the Braves have a good lineup. And then, of course, if you got to go to New York, and you got to win some games there. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers have been historically good on the road this season. And you're going to need that because I think at this point, we kind of expect the Dodgers to be winning these games at home. It's the road games where I feel like it can come back to bite you. I mean, remember in the world series a couple years ago um, when the Dodgers were uh, in Houston, there was that one wild game that went back and forth and into extra innings that turns out to be a loss on the road. And granted, I think the Crawford boxes had um, 
a little bit to do with that game. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it was the Crawford boxes that brought the Dodgers back into that game in the first place with Puig hitting that line drive that would not have been out anywhere else in baseball and somehow he yanked it out into left field. So, you know, road games are important because I think, you know what you get with the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium? Um, Dodger Stadium isn't too crazy of a ballpark either, I don't think. Um, so if you can go on the road and you can win a couple of road games, like the Dodgers hypothetically should just win their games at home. You know, if you win your games at home, you're going to be in a good spot. If you can steal a couple games on the road, it doesn't matter what sport it is. If you can steal a couple playoff games on the road and which the Dodgers have proven that they can do, you're going to be in for a long postseason run. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers for years have always been one of the better home teams in baseball. And like you said, especially when you have home field advantage, by having home field advantage, literally, as long as you win every game at home, you're going to win the series every time. But like we talked about, if you're able to steal one, maybe two games on the road, with how good the Dodgers are at home, if you're able to go in and take one or both games, you know, when you go 2-2, two, 1-1, two, one, one, or however it works, you're going to be in a good position. And the fact that the Dodgers are playing better on the road than they ever have, that's going to be huge because come postseason, especially in baseball, there are some hostile environments, and we talked about it. New York, that's going to be a tough place to go in and pick up a win. Atlanta, that's going to be a tough place to go and pick up a win. San Diego, well, that's going to be technically a home game for the Dodgers. It's probably going to be 50-50 when it comes to the fans, so that might not be as tough, but yeah. Winning games on the road, a huge, huge thing for the Dodgers, and I think that's going to be clutch for them moving forward because, again, postseason baseball is such a crapshoot. It's so tough. But if you can go in there and steal a game, you're going to have all the momentum on your side. And Josh, there's another record that the Dodgers actually broke last night as well. We know that over the years, the Dodgers and Giants, they go back and forth. Even when the Dodgers are great, the Giants are bad. When the Giants are great and the Dodgers are bad, they always play each other tough. It's always a close series finish. But this is the best season the Dodgers have played against the Giants since the two teams moved uh, to Los Angeles. So they just wrapped up their season series. They played 19 games. Based on how dominant the Dodgers have been against the Giants this year, I want to hear your guess as to how many wins out of those 19 you think the Dodgers picked up against the Giants this year. I feel like I saw this the other day, so I don't remember what the exact number is, but I'll just take a stab and I'll say 17. Not as dominant. That that would be that'd be historic, <laughs> I think, if they went 17-2. 15. So they went 15-4 and four against the Giants, officially the most they've beaten them since they moved to uh, Los Angeles. And Josh, this is actually a historic number because this number is going to retire as the greatest of all time against the Giants because I don't know if you remember hearing this, but by going to interleague play next year, every team plays every team, the amount of division games is going to shrink. I believe it's shrinking yeah. down to, I want to say, 13. I forget the exact number. It's 11, 12, 13, one of those numbers. So this is going to be the best ever, unless in five or 10 years they decide to go back to 19 games. But this is going to go down is the greatest season in Dodgers history against the Giants. And the Giants aren't going to be in the playoffs this year. Unfortunately, their uh, run last year proved to be just some sort of miracle. They're back to reality being an under 500 team. But even then, when you play a team 19 times, even if you're playing the Rockies or the D-backs, playing a team 19 times and beating them 15, especially your biggest rival when you got to go to San Francisco and they play you so tough. Uh, again, I know people probably don't think it's as big of a deal as it is because the Giants are so bad, but that's insane going 15 and four against one single team like that. Yeah. And for Dodger fans, I think it's cool after last year because the giants were just that team of, I don't want to say they were the team of destiny last year. Cause they didn't seem like the team of destiny per se, but they were definitely 
uh, I, I don't want to say they were the underdogs either, but I mean, you look at them on paper and they should have not been favored to accomplish all that they did. And they had a phenomenal season and it was remarkable what they accomplished. But the Dodgers, you know, survived in the playoffs in that five game series and won the series and went on to the next round. But even then, like for Dodger fans, I think this is a, it's almost like poetic justice. Like a year later, not only are you setting all these records um, with your team, but you're also beating up on the team that just legged you out in the division last year too. So I think it's nice for Dodger fans. Obviously it's disappointing for the giants, but um, I, I also did not expect much from the giants this year. I thought that they might be like the number three team in the division behind the Dodgers and the Padres. Um, but I didn't think that they'd be this bad. Um, I, yeah. I thought maybe they would be this bad last year, and obviously they were remarkable. But after last year, I thought that they, w- they would be better. Um, so, yeah, I think it's nice for Dodger fans to kind of just – it's not even that the Giants are bad. It's that the Dodgers are accomplishing all they're accomplishing, and they're also doing all this against the Giants too while winning the division again. So I think Dodger fans have, have, have got to be happy about that. Yeah. Again, it, this season, I was expecting the Giants to be the number three team in the division. But like you said, I was expecting them to maybe win like 85, 86, 87 wins. I knew they'd regress, but I didn't think, you know, that the D-backs would be a better team than them. But yeah, what a crazy year. And essentially every game the Dodgers play, they're somehow setting some new record. Now, I believe they are five wins away from tying the franchise record and wins. Uh, so that's going to be coming within the next week. So a lot of records for the Dodgers still to break. We're going to break down that series with the Giants. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so in order to get to 15 wins against the Giants, you got to have a few sweeps in there. And Do Josh, the Dodgers swept the Giants pretty much in dominating fashion, with the exception of uh, Sunday night, a game that went into extra innings. But Friday, Saturday, they were pretty easy games for the Dodgers. Friday, they won 5 to nothing. Saturday, they won 7-2. to So they outscored them 12-2 to in those first two games. The first thing I want to touch on, and that's Dustin May, because we talked about him last week. I talked about him being a huge wild card, and I talked about wanting to see him face a team other than the Marlins and the Padres, because through his first four starts, two starts were against the Marlins, two starts were against the Padres. He was great against the Marlins. He was awful against the Padres, so something had to give. Well, he couldn't have delivered a better sample size. Five no-hit innings. He had to get pulled after a very nice 69 pitches, but uh, one walk, four strikeouts. Again, this is not a Giants team that has, you know, a high-powered offense that's going to be putting up a lot of runs a game, but at the end of the day, they're not as bad as the Marlins offense, so a good kind of in-between, and he dominated them, essentially, from start to finish in those five innings. Like I mentioned, only one walk. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dustin May going five no-hit innings against the Giants? Is that something that you want to read too much into? Or because it is the Giants, you still want to pump the brakes just a little? Well, I think that it doesn't really matter who it is. If you no-hit somebody for five innings, I think that that's impressive. Um, and that's kind of the way that I'm that I'm going to look at it is um, it didn't need to. I, I feel like it wasn't very flashy. A, a walk in four Ks. Um, if anything, it was just efficient. It was an efficient 69 pitch, five inning outing, uh, no hits allowed, no runs allowed. Dodgers won five, nothing. Um, and it wasn't flashy. And I think that right now, maybe the, the non flashiness isn't something we're used to with um, Dustin May, just because we know what his pitches look like and what his strikeout numbers have looked like in the past, excuse me. But just with Dustin May in this game, it, it wasn't flashy. It was just the pure efficiency and exactly what the Dodgers needed. Gave the offense time to get going, and they won 5 nothing. So I think it's as simple as that. It was a great outing for Dustin May. It was something that you and I had talked about what we wanted to see, and we got to see it. It was against somebody other than the Marlins or the Padres. Um, like you said, the Giants offense isn't great, but I don't think it really matters. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a major league baseball team. So not allowing a hit for five innings, that's impressive. And the crazy thing is, you know, this is a guy we talked about is a huge strikeout pitcher, only four strikeouts in five innings. He did strike out the side, I think in the third inning, maybe it was the fourth inning. So you take that inning out of the equation, only one strikeout through the rest of the four innings. But if anything, I think that makes it kind of more impressive that the Giants were getting contact off him. But it wasn't anything, you know, significant, especially to get a hit. So they were putting the ball in play, but he was limiting damage. And, you know, I wrote about this in my article today. I think the biggest takeaway wasn't the fact that he went five innings and didn't allow a hit. It's the fact that he issued only one walk. I mean, this was yeah. an issue we talked about last week. I think in his 10 innings against the Padres, he issued eight walks. And it seemed like every one of those walks came back to haunt him because he'd allow a two-run home run or he'd allow another base hit. So essentially, as we saw, and as we saw against the Marlins, if he's not issuing free passes, Dustin May is going to be just fine. So 
I thought it was a very, very encouraging start from him. Like I said, the Giants, you want to see him maybe play a better team, but it's still a baseball team. You still won five no-hit innings. Definitely an encouraging outing from Dustin May. And essentially an encouraging outing from everyone that came out of the bullpen. Vessia threw a scoreless inning. Ferguson threw a scoreless inning. Even Bickford. Phil Pickford came in, tossed two scoreless innings, and the offense did uh, just enough. They put up five runs, and everyone was contributing. I think they had nine hits in total. Only a couple players didn't get it on the hit parade. So just an overall beautiful game. The second and game— And here's one more thing about or, that, though, too, is it's like, you know, we said that we wanted to see him play somebody other than the Marlins or the, Gi- or the Padres, and we say, like, yeah, sure, it was the Giants. But here's the thing, like, in baseball, anything can happen on any day, right? We know that. I mean— Dodger fans know that the Dodgers were better than the 2019 uh, Washington Nationals. But anything can happen in baseball. And, you know, the the thing that stands out to me is the Giants lineup could come up against Dustin May and hit three home runs and chase him from the game. And that's a completely different game. The reason why that game stands out is because in the two games against the Marlins, he faced, like, the same lineup twice. When he played the Padres, he faced the same lineup twice. And we saw the right. same things happen. So, yeah, it, it was kind of like a like a basketball series where it's the same two teams going at it two games in a row and maybe one team's better and maybe one team's worse and you get a similar result both times. Not only was this a different opponent, it was a completely different lineup. Like, he had seen the same two lineups twice. This was a different team. So it doesn't really matter who it was. It's just that it was somebody different and it was an encouraging outing. Yeah. Yeah, spot on. I mean, again, it's Dustin May, if he's able to go five or six innings in October, if he's able to allow one or two runs, he will be the Dodgers' most valuable starter in that rotation because as of right now, he's the fourth or fifth best starter. So if you can get what you can expect out of him, it's going to be huge for the Dodgers. But I want to talk about Saturday, and that's a 7-2 win. Again, a very easy win. Dodgers actually fell behind early in this one. They fell behind 1-0 in the first inning, but they came back, scored six runs the next two innings, and that's Julio Urias. I mean, we played a fun game last week uh, talking about Julio's season versus Sandy's Sandy Alcantara's season, and again, you can make the case Sandy is the Cy Young winner. You can make the case Julio is the Cy Young winner, but we're not going to be talking about Julio being in the Cy Young consideration because I want to talk about Julio being in the consideration for one of the best starters in all of baseball because, Josh, we, we know the numbers are there for, for Julio this year. They're among the best in the National League. But I decided to dive a little deeper into Julio and what he's been doing the last year or so. Going back to July of 2021, So this is the last 14 months. Julio leads all of baseball with a 2.09 ERA. His whip of 0.94 is the lowest in the majors. His batting average against of 196 is the lowest in the National League and just one point behind the lowest in all of baseball. He also is near the top in a bunch of other stats. Walk rate, hit rate, home run rate. I believe he's like top three, top four in all of baseball or at least the National League in all of those. So... The numbers are clearly there. This is a sample size of 14 months where he's just been absolutely insane. But yet it seems like when you talk about even if you were to ask someone who's the Dodgers ace, I feel like maybe 25% of them will even say Julio Urias. So Dodgers fans, it seems like they don't appreciate him as much as they should. But the national media as a whole, I mean, this is a guy I feel like should be getting talked about as again, being one of the top three to five starters in baseball. But you just never hear about him. There was a graphic a couple weeks ago, I think MLB posted. It was like all the teams in the playoff contention, their number one starter, like ranked. 
And the Dodgers weren't even on there. So Julio didn't even crack like the top 10, which is just insane to think about. So just what are your thoughts on this insane run we've seen from Julio the last 14 months and why he's not being talked about more than he currently is? Honestly, I have no idea. And I think it goes back to what we talked about a little while ago, um, whether it be about um, Tony Gonsolin or uh, Julio Urias. And all he did the other night was go six innings, give up one and struck out eight, like, I mean, he's doing this every night too and i'm going back trying to find that that graphic do you remember how long ago it was i don't like it could have been like a week and a half ago it might have been like three or four weeks ago so it's somewhere out in the abyss nowhere to be it's found like, but he's been doing this he's been doing this all season like it's been all year and i think that and the only thing the only thing i can think of is going back to that conversation last week or two weeks ago about um gonsolin and julio when you think of the Dodgers rotation right now, I think a lot of people think of Dustin May because he's super flashy and is he's on pitching ninja whenever he's healthy. And it's like, cause he's really good and he's got great breaking pitches. His fastballs have movement. Like he's just a gnarly guy. He's got like tons of swag. He's got a lot on his pitches. And then there's Walker Bueller. And I think Walker Bueller is pretty straightforward. And I think Clayton Kershaw is pretty straightforward. Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers of all time. He's had a hall of fame career. He's one of the greatest Dodgers ever. And, uh, I think everybody views maybe those two plus May as the Dodgers' three guys. And everyone has completely forgotten about the fact that the Dodgers' two pitchers this year that have been the most consistent, that have been the best two guys they've had all year, are Julio Urias and Tony Gonsolin. And I think that even though Tony was an all-star, and and he didn't look great in the all-star game, but it's the all-star game, it is what it is, the two of them have been phenomenal all year. They're just not the flashy names. They're not the yeah. flashy names. And I think maybe I think maybe those I, – I, Dodger fans love these guys. I think Julio just fits with the team. I think he fits with the organization. I think he's a fan favorite. I think Tony Gonsolin, like the cat man, he's got this whole thing ever since he's been up. I think a lot of people have just like kind of bought into him too. But I just feel like Dodger fans are in on these guys. But even then, I, I think that obviously you think of May, Kershaw, and Bueller when you think of the Dodgers. And we're not even talking about Tyler Anderson right now, who has had a phenomenal season. And we'll touch right. on him later. But, I, I, you know, that's the thing with the Dodgers right now, is with Kershaw spending some time out, Bueller being out, and May being out, I feel like the national scene has not focused in on Tony Gonsolin and Julio Urias as much as they should have. I think it's the Dodgers are really good because of guys like Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts. You don't talk about the Will Smiths, which we both thought should have been the clear-cut all-star. I mean, it's not, it was obvious he should have been an all-star this year. But Will Smith it has been a huge factor on the team. Then you talk about the pitching staff. And if it's not Kershaw, not Bueller, and not May, they're not talking about him. And it should be Julio Urias and Tony Gonsolin. Um, so I, I think that has to be the only reason why. The crazy thing is, is next season, so we, there's one more year left of Julio's contract, but he'll be a free agent following the 2023 season. And even this, when you think about him being a free agent, you're like, okay, he'll get, you know, probably $15 million on the open market, maybe $20 million. But you're not thinking that this guy is probably going to be the best starter on the market that is more than deserving of a 30 plus million a, you know, a year contract, and it just goes to show how underrated he is. He's so effective, and like you said, it's nothing flashy. You know, he'll, he'll go six innings, allow one run, might have like six strikeouts, something like that. He's not posting 12, 13, 14 strikeout games, not getting on pitching ninja with his insane pitches, but he's a, he's all reliable. 
He's a guy you know what you're going to get from him, and he's been doing this, again, the last 14 months. Mostly, and I, 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 I didn't look this up because uh, I just assumed he's going to continue this trend, but I think as of his last start, he leads all of baseball this year with starts, allowing two runs or fewer. And I think of the National League, he's number one when it comes to starts with one run or fewer. So I think he's had one or two starts this season in which he allowed like five or six runs that were just blow-up starts. And if you were to take those out of the equation... His numbers will be even better. So hopefully Julio gets a good amount of votes when it comes to the signing race. We talked about it last week. We both think it's going to go to Sandy, but that's fine. But I want Julio to at least have a respectable second finish. First off, he needs to finish second. If he doesn't finish in second place, that just goes to show how undervalued he truly is. But yeah, over the last 14 months, the Dodgers have had the best starter in all of baseball. And it feels like it's going slightly underrated. Uh, one thing I do want to touch up on, Josh, before we move to our mailbag, and that's the game from Sunday night. Just not not the fact that they won and all that kind of stuff. It's the fact of what they did in extra innings. So the Dodgers clinched the division earlier in the week, and I think by clinching the division, Dave has essentially said, you know what, screw it. Let's do things differently in extra innings. The last two games in extra innings, Josh, the Dodgers' first batter of the inning has laid down a sacrifice bunt. Now, the entire year, ever since this extra inning rule was implemented, fans everywhere are saying, why don't you just immediately bunt the runner over to third, have a guy on third where a sack fly scores the run, a base hit scores the run. Dodgers never did that. Never did that at all. The second they clinched the division, back-to-back games, the very first batter bunts the runner over to third. Now, on uh, Thursday or Wednesday last week in Arizona, it worked because there was an error, so it ended up benefiting the Dodgers. But even last night, it worked to perfection. Bunted the guy over to third, ended up coming to score in a Mookie Betts hit. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Dodgers now that they've clinched the division? Saying, you know what, let's play small ball. Let's see how this works. And essentially, they've gone two for two. Does this does this uh, sacrifice bunt total you have include Hanser against Arizona? So it, it technically, it does, but it doesn't because it was an error, so it doesn't go down as a sacrifice bunt. Mm-hmm. On the season, the Dodgers have two, and one of them came last night. Bunt, That's what I'm I asking. I think it was. was it, it, do we count that it as was. a confirmed bunt attempt? Okay. I think we I mean, do because, <laughs> yeah. But it, it technically doesn't count as a sacrifice bunt because of the errant error, but only the second sacrifice bunt of the year for the Dodgers. But like I said, ever since they clinched, two for two with the first guy trying to get the guy over to third. Yeah, I mean, it's just – and the Dodgers ended up losing that game too, didn't they? Uh, yeah, walk walk off through and home run. Yeah, so, you know, it's – it's. I mean, I like it. I mean, you're winning games and extra – yesterday was kind of a weird game too um, just because of, you know, the rain and all that, which, again, that was another thing here. Once it once it hit us, I knew it was going north to the, to the game, and that was kind of the, eh, I don't know if we should go. I don't think we're going to make it. Um right. But yeah, I mean the fact that the fact that they've done this the last two games, it's just like you should have been doing this all along because the Dodgers are such a big. Okay, again, like I say, the bunt. Personally, I'm I'm somebody who says you got to run around second base and no outs. Bunt if you got if you need to run to get them over, just bunt. There is ultimately nothing wrong with a fly ball to the outfield, at least away from the runner, so deep center or right field to get them over. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a bunt. It's the same thing, but that just doesn't seem to happen either for the Dodgers. So it's like right. suddenly somebody strikes out or you have a bounce out in the infield or a pop-up where somebody doesn't advance. And it's like, you could, could have just bunted. So I'm, I'm way into the bunt to advance somebody over. So these last couple of games where we've seen that um, love it. Absolutely love it. And it's like, 
the game in Arizona the other night, to be completely honest with you, I was rooting for chaos. I was like, you know what? A win would be nice. I don't really care. Let, like, let's just see what happens. And the fact that that happened to lead off the 10th inning, I was in on it. I thought, all right, what are we going to get? Like, make it interesting. Um, so, I mean, it's good. Why not? The Dodgers, you're not going to do it in the postseason. So, might as well just do yeah. it now and Look- see what works. Yeah, luckily the rules not going to be in the not going to be there in the postseason. But you know, I know a lot of people are against small ball. Personally, I love it. I know you love it. We sound like a couple of old guys that are saying, "Yeah, to keep old ball, bunt people over, and advance the runners." But we've seen so many times in extras this year, the Dodgers have a leadoff guy on second, and they don't even advance to third. Like the Dodgers don't even get him over because there's a strikeout, there's a grounder to the left side, and then there's a flyout, and the guy's stranded at second base. At least by butting a guy over to third. A wild pitch scores a run. A deep enough fly ball scores a run. A hard, you know, hit ball in the infield, it scores a run. So I know people don't like giving up outs, but I like scoring runs in extra innings. So I'm glad the Dodgers are doing this now. But again, it's the ultimate troll troll job by by Dave saying, I'm not going to do this the entire year, even though everyone's calling for it. And the second these games don't matter, let's uh, button see how it happens. But like I said, they're two for two. So I just thought that was a fun thing. But Josh, any other uh, takeaways from this weekend or just any other uh, quick things you want to note before we move to the mailbag? Um, yeah, I mean, just in general, I mentioned the uh, uh, I mentioned the efficient outings, and I think that that's what most of this weekend stems from. Obviously, you have all of the runs um, from game two of the weekend, and then you have the extra innings win in game one or in game three shut out. It was just an efficient, but it just ultimately it was an efficient weekend. Just, I think for everybody involved. And I think that that's fun because, you know, the Dodgers are a team that just scores a lot of runs. And I think that you and I had talked about this on the show or in person. I don't remember. We have so many Dodgers conversations just all the time. Same thing with my roommate. I can just never remember which ones we talk about on the show or not. Um, so I have to right. go back and listen, but like the Dodgers, when it comes to extra innings are a team that wins games because they're better than everybody, not because they outsmart them. And we get used to the fact that like the Dodgers can give up four or five runs, but they score 13 and they're going to win, you know, but ultimately like just these three games against the giants, I thought on both the the pitching and the defensive and the offensive side, I just thought it was all very efficient and it was just a very clean, like well-played series by the Dodgers. Um, And I think that, I mean, I, I was getting ESPN updates about the game last night and I'm just like, but like, but like, why? I mean, this is just what we expected them to do, and that's what they did this weekend. So, so good for the Dodgers, and you know, hope they can finish strong and then take the same kind of efficiency into the postseason. Also, uh, Tommy Canley's back. Oh yeah, he's been back. He's he's the the thing with him is I just want to touch on this really quick. So he's appeared in only two games. I think he was activated like on the thirteenth or fourteenth. So he's been back for about a week. Four strikeouts, one in one point two innings, no hits allowed. I have yet to see him pitch. Like I have watched probably seventy-five percent of the game over the last few week over the last week. I haven't caught every inning because I've just been doing something, but I've caught probably three fourths of all innings over the last week. I have not seen the guy pitch. I was looking up his numbers and I was like, man, he's appeared in two games already. <laughs> I've missed both of those, so apparently he's still good in his two outings, but it's kind of like a myth. I've yet to see it. So if I haven't seen it, has Tommy Canley truly pitched? Uh, more to follow there so we're going to move to our mailbag now again if you guys have any questions 
you'd like to ask in a future episode. We always post about an hour before we do the show. You guys can follow the show on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. Hit us up with any Dodgers question you have or just any question in general that you guys have. We'll try to answer as many as we can. Josh, we have time for about two, maybe three questions if we're able to stretch this out. Our first question comes from JR. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, so um, let's see how quick your response is. Considering everyone is well-rested, considering everyone is healthy, who is the World Series Game 1 starter? World Series Game 1 starter, I think your first answer you'd think would be Clayton Kershaw. I'm, right now I'm going Julio. I think it has yeah. to be Julio. He's not even that flashy. It's just the efficiency, and he's been that way all season. I think my Game 1 starter is Julio Urias. Yeah, it, it should be Julio Urias. And again, the fact that even with both of us, it wasn't like an immediate, like, Julio, no questions asked. There's, uh, you know, Kershaw, He, you know, he's the guy that always gets Game 1. He's the guy that he has been good, but it should be Julio yeah, Julio, no questions asked unless, you know, he pitches in a game seven and it kind of carries over. But if it's not Julio, well, Dave, what uh, what are we doing? What are we doing right here? Uh, this is a fun one. This comes from Max. Think this might be a good one for the lower stakes portion of the end of the season. What the heck is going on this year with the Dodgers replay decisions? Does the New York booth just hate the Dodgers? Why do we have bad analysts recommending challenges? And is it worth worrying about? I saw this a while back because the Dodgers had this stretch where they got like 10 challenges in a row wrong. And like yeah. their percentage on the season of like correct challenges was like, I want to say in the low thirties in regards to percentages. <laughs> so when it comes to challenging, I still want to know who this is also. Who's the guy that Bob Guerin gets on the phone with and is calling to determine if they should challenge or not. So someone he's on the phone with is seeing the replay and they're saying, yes, challenge it. They're seeing what, what we're seeing and yet the Dodgers are awful with it. Now, this might be just one of those irrelevant stats that means nothing come playoff time. But the Dodgers are bad when it comes to challenges. Yesterday, they lost a challenge in San Francisco that ended up hurting them because Austin Barnes later in the game was clearly safe run into first. And I've never seen Austin Barnes get this pissed off. He looked like he was ready to take on the umpire one-on-one, -on -one, but the Dodgers didn't get to challenge it because they already lost their challenge. So, Josh, when all this technology is there for them... How is it possible that they are so bad when it comes to challenging calls? I, I don't really know. I just remember that the, there have been like multiple calls where the Dodgers have challenged something in like the first inning and bang, lost it, rest of the game. You're like, what is going on? And I don't remember which one this was. There was a game that I was at this year where it was like top of the first inning, they challenged something. And they showed it on the video board. And it's like, it's not close. It's not close. Why are we challenging that? Bang, Dodgers lose. And luckily, I don't think it came back to hurt him in the game. But it's like, oh, God, why are we challenging that? So uh, ultimately, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I, I really don't care. Because, again, it's not like it's – if it's happening early, whatever, like you want to save them and stuff. Because at least like in football, when you challenge a play, you might lose your challenge for the half, but not the game. You're, you're losing a timeout, but not for the game. Like, you're not losing your last timeout. So right. it's a little bit different than, than football, but at the same time, you kind of question it like, what? why are you challenging that? Yeah, and we see all these replays, and like you said, they show it on the Jumbotron, and you're like, I could, I could immediately see that you're not going to win this. So I, I don't know. It's a weird problem the Dodgers have. I don't know why they're so bad at it, because like you said, someone's seen the replay. They should be able to determine it, but the Dodgers just... I, I, I wish there was a way to easily look up that percentage, 
I know people out there keep track or they could find it, but I gotta know, because again, it, it might be under 30% at this point. For every four they challenge, they're getting one right. We got time for one more. This comes from Dodger Blue. If Gonsolin is healthy but needs ramp up, do the Dodgers leave him off the NLDS roster and play it safe to wait for the NLCS? So, Tony Gonsolin isn't back yet. The, the news has been encouraging, so it sounds like he's starting to ramp his arm up. But again, we're two weeks away from the regular season ending, so if he's not 100% fully ready to go, although he'd be a huge piece to have either in your starting rotation or in your bullpen, Josh, do you risk giving him an extra 10 days rest? That way he's ready to go for the NLCS. Or do you th do you say this is a guy that we need and you know if he's only able to go one inning, we'll still have him uh, on the roster where he's taking the spot of someone potentially who has a much healthier arm? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't, I don't want to look too far ahead. And I feel like that's uh, in the regular season. Sure. Let, let's look too far ahead. But when we get closer to the postseason and we get to the postseason, I think win now. So I think that I, I think that you should kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Um, well, actually, I mean, that's an interesting question. I don't know. I, I, I was I thinking about it. I, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know either. I say, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I say, I say, keep him on the roster. If, if he's able to only go like two innings, I say, hold him off with the chance that he's able to get you three or four, you know, 10 days from then. I think also it depends on who, who's, who's necessarily getting left off. I mean, there's still a few weeks left, so a lot of injuries could happen, but if Tony Gonsolin is, let's say, the last guy on the roster, and he's taking a spot from David Price, so it's either do you keep Tony Gonsolin or do you go with David Price, you keep Tony Gonsolin. But if it gets to the point where it's like, is it Tony Gonsolin or Bruce Dark Ratterall, or is it Tommy Canley, who is just out of his mind right now, I think the decision might be a little more interesting, because I don't think at this point Gonsolin's going to be a starter, but I do think you need him to be able to go three to four innings if needed out of the bullpen. If something happens in the second or third inning, a starter gets pulled early, you need a guy that's going to be able to go deep into games. Maybe the Dodgers just say, hey, we're going to turn you into a regular bullpen guy and you can go one inning and that's fine with us. I'm not exactly certain, but that's a good question because it had both of us perplexed because we don't know. Because like you said, you don't want to plan too far in ahead. You know, a lot can happen over the next three weeks and maybe it's a non-discussion, but it's going to be interesting to see what the Dodgers do with Tony Gonsolin come October because there are a lot of variables based on his recovery. But uh, I think, yeah, that we're going to wrap it up with that. Three questions. So apologies to everyone. If you asked a question, we couldn't get it in. We do appreciate all of you guys asking questions again. If you want to ask us a question for a future episode, when we get to back, you know, back to our hour-long episodes and we're doing the draft, we can answer a few more questions. But make sure to follow the show on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at Inside the Ravine. You can find everything you need to know about the show there, posting clips, posting information. So again, if you're on social media at all, uh, make sure to follow us there. Josh, any uh, parting words before we uh, before we head out for the week? Where where in the Bay are you going to be next week? Uh, I'm not going to the Bay next week. I'm going to be in uh, Arizona next weekend. <laughs> there we go. Um, I will be, uh, I believe I'm going to be at the Dodger game on Wednesday. It is LA Kings night. Um, I'm, I'm not going with the Kings or anything like that, but it is LA Kings night uh, at the Dodger game. So uh, I think a couple of friends and I uh, plan on plan on going and uh, seeing uh, which Kings player or former Kings players are, are around that day. 
Um, I know that some people here uh, on the trip have been talking about it a little bit. So, so I'm looking forward to going and, and seeing what that's like. I think tickets are affordable um, because the Diamondbacks are in town. So looking forward to that and get back out to Dodger Stadium. It's actually been a little while for me. So, so I'm excited to go. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who throws out the first pitch because I know, at least for when it comes to like the basketball teams, like the Lakers and Clippers, they always pick like the 15th guy on the roster to throw out the first pitch. Whereas for like when it was Rams night, I think they had like Andrew Whitworth throw it out. Or even last mm-hmm. year, I think like Cooper Cup threw it out. So they have some pretty good names. So I'm interested to see if the Kings go with a uh, well known name or if they go with the guy that's how, how second many, to last right how, in the bench. How many, how many can you name? Uh, I know we got uh, Jonathan Quick. Yeah, he will we not got, be there. I can tell you that. We got. Uh, I don't think Kopitar. We got Kopitar. All right. I know. Uh, yeah. What D- Dustin Brown just retired. He did. And I, I think that's where we draw the line. The only reason I know those three names is because they were on the team back in like you know what high school when they were going on those Stanley Cup pushes, and I was watching the yeah. games with my friends, and I watched so many games, so. I don't know those guys because they played last year. I know them because they're still around from playing 10 years ago. And they just yep. stuck around. Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown, uh, first LA King to hoist the Stanley Cup, and the guy did it twice. So uh, there you just go. retired, and uh, he might he might be around on Wednesday. We'll see. I saw him, uh, hey, I, saw him around the facility the other day. I always say this is the year I'm going to get into hockey. This will be the official year that I, I start getting on. So I'm on board the Rain Big Ontario Rain, Rain fan. Yeah, yes, I just need to get on board the uh, LA, LA Kings train and follow hockey because yeah, <laughs> I have no clue any of that stuff works. But again, you guys can find the show on the Odyssey app. This show is brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Or you guys can also listen on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Again, wherever you guys get your podcasts, we're all over social media. You can find Josh on Twitter at Josh Schaefer 25 You can find me on Twitter at Blake Harris tbla as always we thank you guys so much for listening we really do appreciate it make sure to give us a rating on spotify or apple podcast let us know how you're liking the show and give us some potential uh, segment ideas or any suggestions you have you'd like to see in future episodes for josh schaefer this has been blake harris thank you guys so much for listening enjoy the rest of your day wherever you may be